The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? I'm the Nickel City Nightmare, and this is Common Debauchery. What is up, party people in the place to be? As you heard from the opening bumper, I'm Derek Joswick, and this is Common Debauchery. What is up? We are hitting a brand new episode. Now, Common Debauchery, all about things in everyday life that are just absolutely absurd. Today's topic, guys, I've been in the housing market for a while, and what in the blue hell is this about? First and foremost, of the things that they teach you in school, like geometry, trigonometry, covalent bonds, stuff about science you'll never use unless you're going into science, math you'll never use unless you're going into math, which I don't understand why anybody would go into math, but that's what whatever. Anyway, so... They they go and they teach you all these crazy things that most of the population won't need to know beyond high school, right? So here we are learning these things, racking our brains, struggling, and then you get to the real world and you realize that none of those things matter and they didn't teach you a goddamn thing about what you're supposed to know about being an adult. Here I am, 33 years old, and buying a house... May as well have been a, 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 like learning a foreign language to me. So this is my story about the current housing market. Now, we met with a realtor who ends up who is uh, the mother of a friend and former baseball teammate of mine. And we start asking her questions because that's where you start. You ask questions and you say, OK, what do I need to know? Well, she got us in with a mortgage broker and we talked about all that stuff and we figured out what my personal pre-approval rate would be. And it looks pretty simple on the surface. You're approved for X amount, which means that is the largest amount that the bank will approve to loan you to buy a house. And, but that doesn't mean like that. That's basically with what you make and what you have what you can afford right then and there in the moment at the absolute max if you have no other bills. That's the part that some people don't understand is that high-end number is what you can afford if you have no other bills. I don't know anybody that doesn't have any other bills. Even still, you're going to have bills at your new house like utilities. That was pretty common knowledge. I knew when I got approved for that number, let's call it X, that... I probably couldn't afford a house for that much because what this boils down to is basically the value of the house. For those of you who've never done this before, the value of the house minus your down payment works out to your 30 year mortgage and 30 years worth of months. So 30 times 12 payments of why is your monthly payment to reach the number of the house plus interest and taxes. Because people forget to tell you about that part first. So we dive into this market about, I would say it's probably, it was probably late spring. Yeah. Late spring prior to COVID. We looked a little bit, um, we looked a little bit 
at the end of last year and stuff, just kind of like perused a little bit here and there. Didn't really find much that we liked, whatever. Took a break, decided to, to reassess our financial situation, decided to start really stacking some cash away, which we did, which was fantastic, which worked out really well for us so far. Knock on wood. And we ended up jumping back in the market. Well, we jump back in the market and we find a house in our area, kind of in the area we want to be, not necessarily the area we want to, like the exact area we want to be, but in, in, in an area that we don't mind over by a nearby park that a lot of slow pitch softball gets played at. Uh, if you're listening from the Buffalo area, you probably know where I'm talking about. And we, we look at this house. It's a split level ranch, which I've always found cool. And we, we talk about, we put an offer in with something called an escalation clause, all things we didn't know about before we went into this. And we put an offer in on this place and it turns out we get it at the highest end of our escalation. Now, for those of you playing the home game, an escalation clause is basically you saying, I can, I'm going to go in at say it's a $200,000 house at asking. And say the market is what it is right now, which I'll get to that craziness in a minute. And you say, okay, it's going to go for over asking. So I'm going to go in at 205000 and I'm going to go up by $1,000 until I reach the bid I want or until I reach the point where I'm the winner or I'm going to stop at, say, $210,000. So you go into 205 with a $5,000 escalation in $1,000 increments. Perfect. So we do that. We get the house at the highest point of our escalation. And we talk about it some more. We ended up pulling the offer on the house. Since then, that same house has been pending and back on the market no less than four times. Turns out... The area that we were buying in has a pretty nasty flooding problem that allegedly has been fixed, but whatever is the issue with this house, they can't seem to unload it on anybody. And holy crap, did we potentially dodge a bullet. This house also didn't have a ton of the things that we wanted that we're looking for, because at some point you're either going to get, you know, the house of your dreams if you have the money to do so. If not, because let's be honest, most people have more expensive taste than their paychecks allow for. You're going to have to give a little bit on some of these things. You're going to have to give a little on your location. You're going to have to give a little on some of the things that the house comes with. You know, so for us, like, say I'm going to use, you know, we were looking in the Lancaster to Pew area. We are looking in the Lancaster to Pew area, but we have expanded our search out to West Seneca Orchard Park. Uh, certain areas of Cheektowaga out into Alden, um, you know, areas like Elma and stuff are tough because it's very pricey out there. Turns out Depew is pretty tough because Depew is expensive to live in just based on the taxes, not just the house. You know, so as the taxes go up and the monthly payment goes up because of taxes, the less you can pay for actual house. Um, and that's one of those things that we uh, we've run into here. So we backed out of that one. And again, fortunately, we did because of that issue. And since then, we took a, after that, we took a little bit more of a break and kind of said, all right, let's relax. Let's sit back. Let's recollect ourselves and really kind of have a plan, not just buying any house, but buying the right house. We've had a few houses that we've seen that we've absolutely loved. 
and could not afford. We've seen houses that we thought we were going to love that were absolute trash heaps, which some of the things that people want you to pay for um, are a little obnoxious. One great example of this is we went to a house listed for, I believe, $129,000 in the village of Lancaster just to see what it was like. It had been on the market for a while. We were like, oh, maybe if this is a right, a decent fit, maybe it needs some work. Maybe we can undercut and go under asking and then put the work in to make it ours. Well, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't have paid $50,000 for this house because this thing was a train wreck. First off, you open the front door and you just get punched in the face by a wrecking ball of cigarette smoke smell. There's no furniture in the house. So that means that smell is in the wood and in the carpet and in the ceiling and in the paint. And so you're going to have to just completely gut the whole place. The listing, now, there were no pictures of the inside of the house on the listing, which made it suspect to begin with. They said that the kitchen, it, it needed a kitchen and a bathroom, which was not a lie. They just didn't tell you that it needed every other room in the house done, too. Uh, it said the kitchen could just be cleaned up a little bit for a cool retro feel or could use some updating. Then you go to the basement, and the basement looks like a scene from Saw. This house was awful. And when we spoke to our realtor, she said she talked to the realtor that was selling the house. And the realtor said, well, it's listed for that much because, you know, location, location, location. And it's in the village and people want to be in the village. So it's worth more because it's in the village. After our realtor talked to her again, after being like, "Uh, you didn't tell me it was a straight gut job. The woman dropped the price of the house. $10,000. So now it's listed at 119. So if anybody's super handy and has some money to burn and a couple matches to throw on that house to burn it down and build a new one, I can point you in the right direction. So we've seen everything from the houses that we love that we can't afford to the houses that should be burnt down and start from start from scratch. And in the midst of that, we've put in, I want to say now, four or five offers. And the first thing I can tell you is not every realtor and not every seller accepts escalation clauses. Some of them claim that they're not fair because some people come in at the most they could possibly pay and other people don't. And how is it fair that I offer again, using number, just round numbers. I, the house is listed at 190. I offer 200, you offer 205 and I have an escalation to 210, but you can't go over 205. So I win because I didn't want to pay that much, but I did. And they claim it's not fair. They also claim it's not fair to the seller because what if, you know, what if I go in at 200 and I would have went in at 210, but because they accept escalation, I only went in 200 and I'm the highest bid there. So they lost out on $10,000. I'm going to guess that it happens the other way more often than not. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, in re- I'm not a realtor. I'm not in real estate, but I would guess that more, more often than not, the escalation cause clause get you more money as opposed to losing you more money. So I don't understand the concept of not doing that, but a lot of people don't do it. So we've had to go in at the top of where we wanted to pay. And now there were houses that we went in on that we didn't go in at the top of our budget, but at the top of what we felt the house was worth. And 
we were one of two competitive offers on every house we've put in for. Now, this is where the housing market sucks because everything is going for well over asking, at least in the price range where we're sitting. And I can tell you that we've the one house we went in, um, it was listed at 170. I'm sorry, we went in at 170. And we were the second highest bid. It was listed lower than that, obviously. We went in over asking. And it came back that we were the second highest bid. But the person who beat us went, and I quote, ridiculously over asking. This house was really nice. This house was turnkey, move-in ready, save peeling off one piece of god-awful wallpaper. And some work and love needed to be done on, I believe, one room that was painted like punch-you-in-the-face pink. So the problem is it like it had an ing- had above-ground pool in the backyard. It wasn't very big, and the basement was finished. Everything was There, there really wasn't much you were going to do to this house to increase its value. The housing market right now is a seller's market like crazy to the point that it's a seller's market the way the likes of which people have never seen. So... I don't know what you would have done to this house to increase its value to make money off it on the back end. And you're probably at a certain point be lucky to get your money back if you try to sell it and upgrade. And to go ridiculously over asking that blew us out of the water the way it did, I could not fathom going to that. On top of the fact that where that house was in the village of Depew, the taxes are insane. And that's what made it so we couldn't go any higher. So good luck with all of that. So... We lost out on that house. It was pretty upsetting. And then we put offers in on other houses. And some of them were like, you know what? This is a nice house. I can see us living here. And we're going to go in. But we're only going to a certain point. The house we did that with, we were a competitive offer on until the other person basically came at it saying they were going to forego a house inspection. And I can tell you, I would not have, I would not have done that on a house, especially that house. Um, but apparently that's a common thing. We've lost, uh, two or three houses on that one, you know, where we want the house inspection and somebody else does not. So they take this person who doesn't want the house inspection as a seller. I get it. You don't want a house inspection. That's fantastic. Um, you know, let's tear it up and whatever is, might be wrong with this house is on you. I can tell you as a buyer, you're high because you never know what you're walking into. So we've lost out on that quite a, uh, quite a few times. And the last one, the house we really liked, was uh, the same, same thing. They actually put in around an offer around the same as ours, but they doubled our down payment and were forgoing the house inspection. Like, and those are things like you just, you just can't, you can't compete with in, in this day and age. If, if you, I mean, you only have what you have. You can't go you know, above what you got. So you know, down payment-wise and whatnot, you know, if you want to double my down payment, you're going to beat me every time, I guess. So that's uh, that's about where we're at. But I can tell you, being in the housing market kind of sucks. It's fun. It's exciting for like a week. You know, seeing cool houses, seeing crappy houses, just the adventure of it all is kind of fun. But at the end of the day, I can tell you that the uh, just the ridiculousness behind the whole thing is getting old, uh, frankly. It is getting very, very old. 
and I'm ready to be done with it. I'm also ready to find every person who's ever made a decision on curriculum through high school and college and just punch them in the face for not being better about the things that we teach people. Like why, why did I leave high school with a basic understanding of sine, cosine and tangent, but had no idea how to figure out what mortgage payments would be until I had to talk to somebody and, you know, figure out what goes into all of it and have them send me a thing that I can plug numbers into. Like how, how is that? How is that a thing? You know, that's, that's the stuff I want to know. How are, how are we teaching kids like, how, how to create chemical reactions in a controlled laboratory setting, but we're not teaching kids. And I, I say kids, I was one of them. You know, we, you're not teaching people things that they're going to need for everyday life, going to be adults. And, not, and then we wonder why we're living in a world that we're living in right now with the craziness going on and the people who don't understand how life in the world works because they don't understand the life in the world. I, I just, it, it, it's mind boggling to be honest with you. Um, I could never imagine. I can only imagine the other things that I'm about, that I'm going to face at some point in the near future that I just don't know. Um, that'll be, that'll be a fun, interesting one. You know, just the things that are going to pop up going forward that, you know, would be as you would think would be common knowledge, but are not so much because we live in a world where you gain intelligence, but not wisdom grades, but not knowledge. It's weird. It's a weird world, isn't it? I mean, think about it. You go to school with the point of getting the highest possible grades on the planet and getting accolades for your academic achievement and then you leave school and the real world out there is you know not not in a book it's not give you know it's it's just not you know things that you need to know you didn't learn from from a book and a teacher you you know social interaction social decorum things like that you know it's things that just general interaction, general conversation, things that you should know and learn. You learn from actually doing it, not from being taught it in a school. And the things that we're teaching kids in school aren't overly useful to everyday life outside of school. And I, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know what where we went wrong where we started getting and brushing past things that you need to know in life and moved on to things that a very small percentage of us will need to know going forward. And then we're just patting these kids on the ass, sending them off into the real world saying, have fun boys and girls. And then they go, how do I buy a car? What do you mean? How do you buy a car? Well, what do I do? How does financing work? Well, didn't you learn that in math? Well, yeah, we covered something like that in like fifth grade and then blew past it. And, Next thing you know, I'm finding the square footage of a nine-dimensional object for some reason. If you can't tell, I wasn't a great math student. Um, and not being great at math, like I was I was a linguist. I was very good in English, uh, social studies. I liked I liked history and I liked I liked the language arts. Um, I did well with that. I did well with public speaking. 
I, I do well talking at stuff. I'm at 20 minutes of talking to myself about nothing but buying houses and the problems with the schooling world. You know, I used to like to write. I used to like diving into history and stuff like that. I never, never dove into much math. I did, did, I'll tell you the, the most useful math class I ever did was called life math. And that happened, which I did not expect this to go this way. But, uh, so this, this is the story of how me talking about buying a house in the housing market is turning into me telling you a story about me being the worst student on the planet in an effort to get dropped from a class. So my junior year of high school, I had a math teacher who I loved and I was again, not a math student, hated math, was in math because I had to be in math. And I've, I can tell you right now, my brain has learned more of doing math on the fly by doing things like cashing people out of cash registers and stuff like that. And just my brain operates better that way. Staring at a math problem on a board, not so much. So I hated math and I had this math teacher my junior year who was a great, great guy. Um, to, to, for the life of me, I, right now I'm spacing on his name, but he was a really, really cool teacher. And he was a guy that found a way to teach you out of the math book for three quarters of the class and then show you practical application of what you could use this for going forward in the real world, which was always one of my biggest problems. You can ask mom and dad, mom and Papa Jaws. What was the thing that Derek always said to you? You know, what was the thing that Jaws always said to you about math? Why do I need to know this? When am I ever going to use it? I can tell you, I don't know the last time I used any piece of math that I learned in high school. Use math all the time when I'm coaching for batting averages and other things of the sort. But I mean, that's the stuff you learn in like seventh and eighth grade. And I know people who can't do that stuff. Anyway, so... This guy comes in, he, and I'm, I'm crushing it. I'm getting it. I'm understanding math. I'm enjoying math. And he would, every Friday, kind of work in a cool non-math life factoid, something cool about the world that he wanted to share to show us how awesome and amazing the world we lived in was. And I always really enjoyed these things. Math was one of my later classes of the day, and it was just one of those things that really worked out well for me when this, you know, just his teaching style, home arts. And I know some of the, your more traditional learners were not such a fan of it for quite a few reasons. Um, mostly because when you're a traditional learner, this guy's style didn't really mesh well with you, but because you're, you know, a brainiac style student, you probably were doing okay. And then, you know, ruined it for a guy like me who couldn't care less about math, but had to suffer through it. So the thing that this dude did was he passed out a piece of paper and it told us it basically said in it was written the way uh, it was written where every the first and last letter of every word was in, was correct. Every letter of the word was correct, but out of order. And basically what it said was that your brain is such a powerful tool that it can see as long as the first and last letter are in are correct and all the other letters are there. Your brain will read this as though it is spelled correctly throughout the entire thing because it, it recognizes the pattern, what it's trying to say, and forms the words correctly to your brain. It's not until I tell you that this entire thing is spelled wrong that you might notice that you can read it and it's all spelled wrong. So next time your English teacher tells you that spelling matters, tell her to F-C-U-K off. 
And that little slip of paper got turned into the school board and the principal, and he ended up getting fired, which was really, really shitty. Now, they ended up replacing him with a, you know, a, a permanent, potentially permanent teacher who was going to fill his, his role. And day one, she basically came in and said, all right, I'm Mrs. So-and-so. We're going to go around the class. We're going to meet everybody, do kind of icebreaker type stuff. Uh, day two is going to be me like really hammering down, going through like the homework I have of your guys and going through grades and stuff like that. And then on Wednesday, we're going to sit down individually and talk about like where you're at, what's going on. And then we're going to start learning on Thursday, which seemed excessive. But again, you're coming in in like week six or seven of a semester. You know, you got to pick up somewhere. You can't just pick up. You got to got to get a feel for things, right? So whatever, that is what it is. And this woman on that Wednesday, we sit down and she basically said, I have you having a 50 some 52 average in my class. And I'm like, <laughs> I just talked to the other guy like a week ago and had an 86, which is about 15 points higher than I've had in math in probably 15 years. So how do you get a 52 out of that? And she basically said, well, I've looked through your homework assignments and graded you the way I would have graded things. And if all of your homework was like this, that's about where I would have you. And I said, so I went from an 86 to a 52 in the course of three days because you took over and you feel that's where I might be had you been teaching since Jump Street when I was doing the homework and whatnot in regards to what the other teacher's standards were. And she said, unfortunately for you, that is correct. And I said, well, you're going to drop me from this class. And she said, no, I'm not. I said, well, yes, you are, because if you don't, I'm going to make your life a living hell. Not the best example to be setting. However, I also don't feel I should have lost 30 points on my average because you thought that's what I would have. So I looked at this woman. I said, I want to be dropped from this class. That's not fair. That's, you know, at at this point, you're going to be messing with my eligibility for sports and so on and so forth. And that's not okay. And she said, tough. So I proceeded to pull a series of pranks the next three or four days in class that included throwing other, other people's homework out the window in the form of paper, paper airplanes, starting a class ride cla- uh, class wide rubber band war, stealing the light out of the projector. I can tell you that one because they don't use those style of projectors anymore. But if you have a teacher that does, if you can get inside of it and steal the bulb, they can't teach because it messed with this woman's mojo so bad that she could not figure out how to teach this class without her fancy light up projector thing. It was awesome. I don't recommend it. And the only reason I got away with this is because this woman did not want to explain how she could justify me losing 30 points on my average solely because she took over the class. And the last straw after, after I believe it was either that day or the paper airplane homework day, um, I walked into class the next day and she handed me a piece of paper that was already signed by her, my counselor and the vice principal again, because she didn't want me talking to these people and explaining why I wanted to drop the class. And all I had to do was get the permission to sign by signed by mom and dad who I went, don't care. Don't want to fight anybody. Don't want to fight about this class. I don't want to learn from this woman. I don't want to be in another math class. I will take a different math class next year. Get me out of here. Mom and dad said, great, cool, wonderful, wonderful, 
And I ended up in a really cool study hall that period that year with some of my closest friends and the coolest teacher in the high school at the time. And I, then I ended up signing up for a class called Life Math, which was all about things like, hey, how do you balance a checkbook? How do you write a check? How do you, you know, go and do bank withdrawals on paper? You know, because most people know you can go and plug your ATM card in and hit the four buttons that are the magic numerical code to get you into that little special machine and punch in numbers and it spits out some paper bills at you. For those of you listening that have never done that or have not, don't really handle cash, I don't handle cash much myself, but you know, we might be going that way someday. So this may be a dated talk very soon. Um, you know, the way to go in and write out a withdrawal slip and stand in line and hand it to a bank teller who then goes into your thing, punches in the numbers and then hands you money as opposed to going to the ATM. Um, you know, cool stuff. We, you know, we, we did, we went over some car payment things. Um, you know, just things that you were going to use in everyday life. And it was one of the best, I, you know, best things that probably could have happened to me because there were things that I would have, that I walked, would have walked out of that class, probably not knowing or having a decent understanding of. And I can tell you that because some of my friends don't or didn't have that understanding until they find found things out the hard way. And don't get me wrong, I did more than my fair share of learning things the hard way. Figuring things out the hard way is sometimes some of the best ways to figure things out. But I can tell you that the less you have to learn the hard way, the better off you're going to be. Don't get that one twisted. Pardon me while I take a couple sips of coffee there. If you have the ability to not have to learn the hard way, I highly recommend not having to learn the hard way. Learn the hard way does build character. God knows I am a character. So that is the story of me attempting to buy a house. I'm currently actually sitting here waiting to hear back from my realtor about the offer we put on this really cool house in West Seneca today. God, you know, God hopes that works out and, you know, it's Cool place, nice, nice little bar in the basement. The Jaws Garage Gym for Muscles will be moved, but still be in a garage, which will be convenient because it's in the name. You know, and we're just we're gonna move forward. We're gonna gonna plug away here, but uh, you know, I guess I'm gonna wrap this up around the thirty minute well thirty minute mark. Knowing me, it'll be around thirty five forty by the time I get done with my little closing remarks here. Uh, for those of you listening, if you want to join me and talk about God knows what or some kind of random bullshit, any kind of common debauchery you have going on in your life, feel free to reach out. Um, all of my social media information is on the bottom of the BICBP page uh, under each episode. The That same description should also be on Apple and Spotify. And you can reach out and figure out how to get a hold of me and we can talk and I'll bring you on the show and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, try to keep it goofy and lighthearted like this. You know, I'll try not to do too much politics. If uh, if you're interested in other things that aren't about politics and whatnot, uh, you can head over to the BICBP Radio Network, www.bic-radio.com, and check out the probably up to 30 to 35 awesome podcasts that are on there. A lot of sporting podcasts popping up. Uh, there's one, you know, Let's Talk But Not Politics. There's the panel discussion. If you're a comic book guy, there's... Sports cards, there's the kick pod, which I got to talk to that that guy and get on there because I am all about the martial arts. I've been a martial artist my entire life. Those of you who didn't know, now you know. And, you know, I want to 
start doing more collaborations with people and have fun with that. I will going to be on the two point conversation in a few weeks and talk some football with my boy, Matt Johnson. We're going to do all kinds of cool stuff and yeah, go check that out. See if there's other podcasts you may want to listen to. If there's not, and there's something you'd like to hear podcast wise, a, a, a subject matter that isn't covered in there. Either get a hold of me, get a hold of one of us, or, I mean, you know, we can help you start it yourself. You can, you know, fire it up, fire up a podcast and, you know, just kind of talk to yourself like I do. Bring in guests, find a friend. Um, any of you sports fans out there, I'm always looking for people to talk either pro sports, Buffalo centric, but also wide base covering for hats, tats and stats. If you are baseball people, I got some cool stuff lined up for tip of the cap. And if you've listened this far, do me a favor, head over to the BICBP radio uh, page, go over to the merchandise, click on the link for either tip of the cap or hats, tats and stats. That is the locker room. That's got all my, our apparel for that. Go over there, check that out, see what's up. And uh, any anything that's bought or any proceeds will be going to the New York State Special Olympics. And I'm getting a phone call about a house I might buy, so I'm going to sign out. See you later, guys.